let Spencer do his trick Cause you're incapable M's. Hello and welcome to season five of Keep Off the Borderlands. Why is it season five? I hear you ask. Well, at some point around episode 50, I decided that 50 episodes made a season. It's episode 201, therefore, it's season five. And if you've been listening for any length of time, that's the kind of watertight reasoning I'm sure you've come accustomed to from me. Spencer, a.k.a. Free Throw. Let's do this. I'd just like to say that in this episode, I'd intended to include some thoughts that I'd had in response to some episodes of Tom Barbelay's My Rules Are Better. Now, in preparation for the previous episode, I'd recorded some thoughts in response to an episode he put out called Being a Player Again. And this was Tom reflecting on his experience of playing in a session of Alluvial Plains that I was also a player in. This inspired me to record a section in response to that but I felt that the previous episode had so much stuff going on in it that I should include that section in the following episode. Now, since then, Tom has put out several more episodes, which has inspired further thoughts, additional recordings that I've made, and which has kind of expanded the piece to a length where it probably deserves an episode in its own right. So, again, it will not feature in this episode. Apologies, Tom, if you were looking forward to that. What I'll do is try and publish it at some point in the next week or so. So, if I hadn't already made it obvious enough how arbitrary it is that I'm moving from one season to another, I'm going to make the transition even less significant by returning to the topics of the previous episode, mainly because before I'd put that episode together, I'd recorded opening a copy of Askeleth, a zine put out by Monkey Blood Design, an urban sci-fi fantasy setting and I did a little flip through, read out a few sections of that, mentioned it in the title, put links in the show notes, but forgot to actually add the section when I published the episode. And a couple of days after publishing a eagle-eared listener, not really eagle-eared, a bat-eared listener picked up on the absence of that section because they were listening to specifically hear my thoughts about Askeleth. I went back and I added the section to the episode. Unfortunately, half of my listeners had already listened to the episode. So if you do want to go and listen to that, 
I put it just after the Craig's Messer section. It really is a great little zine. Essentially, a toolkit for randomly generating an urban sci-fi fantasy environment. And it's specifically designed for people who don't have a lot of time for prep, which is one of the things that really interested me about it. Certainly impressed with the product. So, uh, yeah, please do go back if you can, and uh, listen to that section in the previous episode. All right, Spence, how you doing? Now we're talking, now we're talking that into the odd. Uh, Chris has given those rules the treatment they deserve, I think. Uh, I was a little bit critical of the uh, the, the finished product of Bastion Land, but um, you've brought this one to my attention. I've I've had a look at some of the uh, sample PDF stuff, and yeah, uh, it really nice job. I'm I'm really uh, really impressed. I've got to say, uh, and I loved I've loved the game. I've got my original copy. And there was a few little quirky bits in there and it looks like that's all been straightened out. Uh, I think I'll be picking up that PDF. I'm not in a big rush to get any books, but I'll get that PDF and um, I hope you enjoy your new acquisition. Take care, mate, and I'll catch you later. Thank you, Colin. Colin Spike Pit Green here. Always great to get a message from you. Yes, it's such a nice book, in fact. I know you say you're not looking to pick up any any physical books, but it's very nicely put together, Colin, and it will be available from Free League. So, uh, well, don't want to you know put you under any pressure or make make life any more complicated for you, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just noises. And it was nice hearing that old message from me on a recent episode you put out from back when I hadn't even returned to the table. I hadn't actually got back into playing RPGs again. And uh, well, that just seems so long ago now. So much has happened since then. <laughs> all of it good, as we all know. But, yeah, yeah, it was nice hearing that blast from the past. So thanks for sharing that. Hey, Spencer. So I don't know what happened, but I must have, I must have missed an episode because I had no idea your 200th was coming up. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. I loved hearing you talk about the reasons why you podcast. It, it really brought a smile to my face this morning, man. Just thinking about you as a little kid putting on skits and recording stuff off of the TV and radio. Just it really made me happy. So I hope you keep putting out episodes because you're just a joy to listen to. I think you're a terrific speaker. And yeah, man, I really I really enjoy everything you put out. So keep putting it out, dude. Anyway, talk to you soon. Peace out.
Joe Richter of Hindsight was there, and thank you, thank you so much, Joe, for that, that message. Got a big grin right across my face. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful message. Thank you for saying that, and um, well, it's nice to know that I'm bringing a bit of joy to somebody's life. Um, I do, I do enjoy um, getting the uh, the opportunity to talk about things other than RPGs, I guess. But one thing's bugging me. You you missed an episode? You missed an episode! Hey, me again, dude. So, um, as much as I would love it to have been me, I wasn't the one who used the term Cookie Monster Music, even though it makes me very happy. I think that was either Jason or Carl... But it is a fantastic and very descriptive, <laughs> accurately descriptive term for some of that stuff. But besides that, just because you don't listen to metal doesn't mean you're not metal, Spencer. You're absolutely metal. Metal's in your heart, uh, it's in your soul, and you're totally metal. As far as me being a mean dungeon master and Jason saying that I might make somebody roll the dice for getting off the ship and how the adventure would end if you fell off the dock... I don't know that to me, that sounds like Jason needs to up his improv game, man. If you think the adventure ends just because you fall in the dock, I don't (laughs) There's, there's a whole lot of places that could go from there. Anyway, dude, got to get back to work now. Boo. Peace out. You rule. (laughs) Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you for a couple of awesome messages there. Uh, If the great Joe Richter says I'm totally metal, then I guess I'm totally metal, and I'm perfectly happy with that. And, uh, yeah, as for Jason's assessment, the suggestion, you're a ball buster of a GM. Well, if he thinks his character's going to be finished off by falling in a canal, yeah, maybe he does need to up his game. But... You never know what could be lurking in that water, Joe. Because I seem to recall the last time I was playing with you and you fell in some water, you ended up as a wear shark. <laughs> but thanks again for some awesome calls, Joe. Always great to hear from you. Take care, man. Hey, Spencer, listening to your review of that one zine, um, Kriegus something other, and I I disagree with the authors and their perspective. I think their interpretation that Warhammer fantasy has gone away from the um, irreverent, uh, pathetic aesthetic is is very wrong, Um, at least... I think it depends on the interpretation and how you run it and how you play it. And we're playing a published adventure, and it definitely has plenty of grim, dark, and irreverence and hilarity, poking fun politically and satire at p- political figures, which I think has always been there. And as part of the authors, the authors, the authors of Warhammer Fantasy is part of their their thing and their their tropes that they throw in there. So I disagree with that group or that author who says that it's not.
Hey Carl, thanks for your message. Carl Rodriguez there, GM extraordinaire of the GMologist Presents podcast. And I've got to say, Carl, my first thought when listening to that message was, that's not what they were saying, was it? But I look back at the text and found what could be described as the offending sentence. Yeah, so it was this section. Elsewhere, elsewhere. The material from the original Warhammer games was very much a product of their time. Punk, irreverent, satirizing the genre and poking fun at life under the Thatcherite regime. Early Warhammer committed that most irredeemable crime of games. It was political. Now I think this is where the, uh, the issue arises. A lot of that has gone under the radar, forgotten or washed out over the years. So I will start by saying that I believe I understand what Gregor is saying here. And, well, with a caveat, that a big caveat, huge caveat, that I have not played Warhammer fantasy role-playing Warfrap, as the cool kids are calling it, I've not played any edition of that game. But I have very vivid memories of being handed a copy of the first edition when I was at school. Friend had bought it into class, 15 year old me flipping through that book and being blown away by it, being really captured by the flavour of it, the dark twistedness of it that sort of alternative anarchic flavour. The idea that I could play a lowly rat catcher in a dark fantasy world is an idea that caught my imagination and has kind of stayed with me ever since. So I'm speaking completely from a strictly aesthetic perspective here as an outside observer. And I, I was hoping to play in a game a fourth edition warhammer fantasy role-playing and i've looked at the starter set i say i've looked at it i didn't read much of it to be fair and i realize i'm looking at it from a very different perspective in a very different landscape and i don't doubt for one second that you can't and you'd probably do play it in that irreverent anarchic way Cole. But looking at that starter set, it's a very polished product, and that is not a bad thing, but it's a different thing. When I look at Kriegsmesser, when I look at games like Warlock, I see some of that alternative flavour, something outside the mainstream that evokes that feeling that I got when I looked through that first edition book. What Kriegsmesser also has going for it is that it's a zine in the true sense of the word, black ink on regular paper. And for me, it's added nostalgic element of using the fighting fantasy rules. So I guess what I'm saying is if I wanted to run a game in the setting for Warhammer, the old world, I would probably choose to use something like Kriegsmesser or Warlock. 
Also not forgetting the fact that I'm not a big fan of big rules tomes. So, yes, Carl, I hear your frustration with what's being said there. I totally understand why you wouldn't agree with that. But um, thank you. Thank you very much for that call, Carl. Cheers. On the subject of Craigsmesser, Barney actually sent me a tweet suggesting that maybe I should consider pitching it to our little group. Uh, now, I realise I haven't actually spoken about End of Plays, a little diverse group of players that Barney has put together with the, the intention of playing games that, that have a, a view to being as accessible as possible. So we've been playing Barney's Neo-Triassic Shoreline Regression Syndrome. And we've been running that using his uh, D6 counterpoint system. We're having an absolute blast with that. And uh, Barney is recording all these sessions and hopefully won't be too long before we start seeing those uh, popping up. And uh, yeah, as I say, Barney is running that for us. But going forward, we, we have other players in the group that wish to run things. And um, Barney suggested that I pitch Kriegsmesser to them. I kind of had my heart set on running into the odd just because, you know, <laughs> I got that book through and uh, I just can't stop pouring at it. And, uh, you know, it's just got me thinking about all things Bastion again. But Kriegsmister, that setting of the long 16th century, essentially, 1450 to 1650. Looking at that period, it, it, there's just so much going on there. You've got kind of feudalism, the whole era of serfs and knights coming to an end. And you've got the, essentially the birth of capitalism. People are able to move around the country, people moving from rural areas into cities, selling their labor, move from more localized trade to international trade, stuff coming in from all over the world. The sort of beginnings of uh, middle class, the development of firepower, which basically put an end to lords having knights to protect their castle because, you know, the monarchy turning up with cannons and turning their castles to rubble if they were, um, you know, less than uh, compliant. With the disappearance of that decentralised feudal system, you've got the rise of uh, kind of a, a national identity and patriotism coming into play. No longer are you sending knights to war. You're training up armies of commoners to fight for their country. Uh, you've got the, the whole issue with the, the Spanish, the Spanish Armada, piracy, privateering, 
there's just just a lot a lot to play with there in fact it's a little bit overwhelming to be honest uh, maybe i should uh, focus in on maybe simpler situations but yeah really got the old brain ticking away Another thing I've been talking about on the last couple of episodes is the Solo Games Master's Guide. And I came across a really great interview with uh, Deborah of Geek Gamers on the Daiku podcast. If you're not familiar with that, there's loads of great interviews on there. Nature May, Chris McDowell, Luca Rejek, Andrew Kolb creator of um, the Neverland 5e book, which is a lovely, lovely book. And in fact, he's releasing one set around the land of Oz. If it's anywhere near as good as Neverland, it's well worth picking up because that's a gorgeous book. I also wanted to mention the Dun Generator. Rolling Cunns reached out to me and asked if I wouldn't mind giving a shout out to his Kickstarter that he's got running at the moment, the Dun Generator Series 2, uh, which includes a reprint of Series 1. Basically, a deck of 54 double sided poker sized room cards, over 60 pieces of colourful hand inked art. These are dungeon rooms, caverns, corridors, passageways. As I say, this is the second series. The first series is also available for reprint as part of the Kickstarter. There's some basic instructions on how best to generate a dungeon that's random but feels organic. Both decks are compatible, and so you can shuffle them together to give you a wider variety of uh, dungeon rooms. It just strikes me as a, a very handy toolkit for low prep dungeon creation. It's coming out of Texas, so I back the PDF print and play version. It is fully funded. After stretch goals have been reached, there's a few more to be unlocked, and I believe they're available to all backers. So, uh, yeah, well worth checking out. That's the Dun Generator Series 2 by Rolling Cuns. Now it's time for the obligatory unboxing. These are getting as common as calls from Jason Connolly. I've got no idea what this is. This could be a couple of things. I'm not making the mistake of having the parcel between me and the microphone this time. So hopefully this might be a bit easier on the ears. Ah, yes, this is something I ordered from Lulu. It's a Cairn Bestiary. I got this because it's going to prove equally useful for Into the Odd. It's uh, softback, 45 pages of fantasy creatures. Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. This is put out by who's compiled this? Um, this is compiled by... Oh, your guy gal. 
creator of Cam. And essentially everything from your acolyte to your zombie. 45 entries with, uh, sorry, not 45 entries, 45 pages with about five entries on each page. This is going to prove invaluable, I think. Anyway, some might see a bestiary as being surplus to requirements for Into the Odd, as, um, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had creating the content there. But I think it's nice to have kind of, you know, the basic stuff stat out, certainly for me anyway. And, uh, yeah, for those of you not familiar with Cairn, it's essentially a hack of Into the Odd designed primarily for like a um, Dolmenwood type setting. Fantasy with the emphasis on kind of fae and folklore, that kind of stuff. Nice. Well, that's about enough for me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as free thrall I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides and it just remains for me to say take it away TJ Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.